0: The reward of the young scientist is the emotional thrill of being the first person in the history of the world to see something or to understand something. Nothing can compare with that experience. The Interplanetary Podcast, the exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Matt, who was that? It's her birthday today, oh. although it
1: would have, well, it would have would been her been. birthday. So, Cecilia Helena Payne,
0: who became Cecilia Payne Gaboshkin. I'm glad you pronounced that. Wow, amazing, amazing quote. So, uh, yeah, born on this day. Well, we say this day. I mean, this is the day we're recording. Yeah, May 10th. 10th of May. Uh, In in 1900, died died 1979, Uh, she was a uh, British-American astronomer and astrophysicist who, in 1925, proposed in her PhD thesis an explanation for the composition of stars in terms of the relative abundances of hydrogen and helium. Uh, An astronomy great.
1: So, do, do you want to hear the second part of that quote? Hit me. The reward of the old scientist is the sense of having seen a vague
0: sketch grow into a masterly landscape. See, that's lovely, isn't it? A vague sketch grow into a masterly landscape. That's very, very beautiful.
1: When I was looking at birthdays of of today, Mm. this is one of NASA's darkest days. Lisa Marie... No whack. Okay. She was born today as well, and she flew up on the Space Shuttle Discovery STS-121. But that's not what she's famous for. Uh, what is uh, she, uh, she famous for? She is famous for her love triangle crimes. Whoa. See, that's that. we should have that as a jingle. <laughs> love triangle. Triangle crimes
0: of the week. <laughs> of the week. <laughs> uh, could we make it into a weekly feature? I don't think we'd have enough content. Yeah, we're going to
1: be stretching it a little bit yeah. thin. Yeah. But yeah, so she, she, she had an affair with uh, STS 116 pilot William Offerline. Ooh. Uh, and they admitted to having a two year affair. Well, she had basically attacked his girlfriend, like oh. tried, to, tried to kidnap her. Blimey. Air Force Captain Colleen Shipman. So, yeah, it was all pretty nasty. My and, Lord. And they're the, they're the first astronauts ever to be di- dismissed from NASA.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so many questions, Matt. I mean, did did she fly with the guy that she was having an affair with?
1: I I, I don't know. I think they must have trained together. Uh, no, I don't think they did. No, because one was on 116, one was on 121.
0: Right. Uh, that might answer our question in a previous podcast, as whether there's been, you know... Any nookie in nookie in space? Le nookie dons la space. We, we indeed. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh, wow. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, I quite like. I quite like a bit more of that. Could we have crimes, crimes in the yeah, space industry?
1: Yeah. Sort of. Feature. Yeah. Seedy crimes of space. Yeah. yeah. I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. It's a. It's a very intriguing one. There was all sorts of stuff going on. Like they were accusing all the astronauts of being drunk when they were flying up to the space station and stuff like this and it's like it, it all went completely Well, we did big, hear of it. was, the was a big news story pouches, at
0: the time, didn't we? Oh yeah, but yeah, but that was Remember? Russians. They were oh, yeah. that was the old style Russian old school. Um, That's just water to them anyway. They don't just exactly. they, don't, they don't get drunk. Um, Matt, well, it's good for their spirit. We've got some
1: shout-outs to do. We certainly do let's do it this has been a long time coming shout out to Dylan Thompson big up yourself DT yeah he's been a bang out patron of the show thank you for listening and spreading the word but the biggest the biggest thanks should go to our uh, Daedalus level show producers (whistles) of which we have a new one who we got Jeffrey Marlam welcome on board welcome Jeffrey absolutely so so awesome to have Yet another show producer. And of course, Matt Gilliland. Cheers, Matt. I'm going to shout them out at the beginning rather than at the end, but we've got our Skylon legends and regular
0: c- contributors. I have to say, they're quite active in, in giving us some. Yeah, I love hearing the comments from these dudes and dudes. So we've got Bob Hodges, Richard Swain, we've got Carol Sim.
1: Yeah, we still don't know how to say that. Should, I reckon we should maybe it's get Karel. Into audio it over. Karel, yeah. I reckon. Carol? Yeah. Erin Edwards and Julio Aprea,
0: the f- the wow. infamous Julio. The infamous Aprea. Julio. Wow! Genius. I mean, what a bunch! I mean, if you want to join that bunch, how'd you go about it, Matt? If you you just, I think you just go straight to the Patreon page and bang, you're
1: done. Interplanetary. That's you it.
0: You're done. you Boom! You're done now. <laughs> Oh, we are in Jamie. Touch. We are in touch with the youth today, aren't yeah,
1: we? Yeah, you're looking a bit shook now, Jamie. Yeah, are but you don't shook? worry. Any anyone listening to this podcast is protected. Oh God, Matt,
0: we're going to have to go a long way to uh, well, redeem ourselves, aren't we? Well, it's,
1: it's fine. I just edit that out.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Right, <Gotcha. laughs> so Matt. So what what's happening in? I'd like to know. What's happening uh-huh. in
1: US space news? Do you know what we've done this week? It, is we've split it out into lots of different nations. The one thing that, that's been coming up on our feeds quite a lot is that people want to hear about stuff that's happening internationally. So yeah. we'll deal with the US space news, because that's what everyone else talks about, really. But then there's lots of other space news from all around the world. It's not all about the US, Matt. No. But this, let's, let's do the US first. Let's, let's kick that <laughs> one down. Talking of kicking... Um uh Jim Bridenstine, or Bride of Frankenstein as uh, I like yes. to call him. He uh made his first public speech as NASA administrator uh-huh. and he used the phrase, This will not be Lucy and the football again. Do you know what that means?
0: Uh what what's that reference to? I don't know.
1: Well, I was I was racking my brain going, What does that mean? It's it's Charlie Brown, I think. You know, when uh, Lucy, his Charlie Brown's mate, used to hold the football and and every time she used to whip it away and he would fall over.
0: Oh, I don't, I, 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 I'm not in that generation, Matt, but yeah, I, I, I understand yeah, it's, it's what it's you mean. Cult,
1: it's a cultural generation thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what it means. It's, uh, it's, it was this trick that she always used to play on Charlie Brown and always promised him that she wasn't going to do it and she always did. I used to hate, when I was a kid, I used to hate Lucy for doing it. It was horrible. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's what he meant. Basically, he's saying that uh, this time round, we are going to the moon. We're not going to pull it away at the last we're not gonna second not going to dilly-dally. That's exciting. But in his speech, he didn't even mention SLS or the Orion spacecraft. So, that's funny in a speech about going back to the moon, not mentioning those two things.
0: I wonder if uh, he's had a chat with Trump yet. Do you think he's had a chat with him? He's Trump's man. They're buddies. Really? they big bodies. They're big bodies. Oh, that's a bit scary. I want you to tell everybody that we're going to the moon. We are going
1: to the moon. Oh, I really want to do a Trump impression. I just can't do it. So annoying.
0: Nobody goes to the moon like I do. That sounded yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know where we're going with that. Got to work on that.
1: Um, but there's been another. There's been another uh, uh, appointment, and uh, congratulations to Megan Powers. Nice one, Megs. Uh, yeah, who's now the agency's press secretary. See, well, I'm, I'm, butter, I'm buttering her up so that, yeah. you know, we get special treatment. Oh, that would be uh, nice. <laughs> now, we, we talked about Insight, of course, last week. <clears throat> we did. Uh, and it did indeed fly up on Saturday. And Jake from We Martians did indeed watch that launch. Oh, yes, Jake. And if you're interested, Jamie and myself are going to be talking to Jake on his off-nominal podcast this weekend we are so so you can tune into that as well so it's a double in, bubble subscribe. this week yeah so yeah so it's the first interplanetary mission to launch from the west coast and it's begun its six month journey to mars it's just so exciting yep but also on board what's really exciting is on board was was uh, a couple of six unit cube mm. called mars cube one or marco Mm-hmm. A and B. Uh, and they're the first CubeSats to go beyond Earth orbit. So for Ooh. the first time ever, we've got these little um, CubeSats out in space. That is beautiful. So, hey, out in Matt, deep I, tell space, you, I should say. I tell mm-hmm.
0: you what we should quickly mention while we're on the subject of Mars is mm-hmm. we had an interesting uh, tweet response to one of my queries, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Um, and let me just check. That was uh, Jeff snively sorry if i've pronounced that wrong um but if you remember uh, it was the uh why uh if they're collecting soil samples are they scattering, dropping it around, all over the scattering place. them yeah. around all over the place and he said uh to the point in the latest podcast about leaving canisters all over the place uh, i once heard that it has to do with not putting all the eggs in one basket for contamination if a private mission contaminates one the others are fine so, that's, that's a cheers great response. Love that. Yeah, I,
1: I, it's I mean, not the we, one I we was need expecting to get either. It, that was We brilliant. need to
0: obviously get it verified, um, but I love that. Yeah, I love the fact that he read it somewhere.
1: That's yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? Never find the source. Anyway, I've written a load of bump about insight, but I don't think we need to bother. I think nah. if you want to hear, about, if you want to hear the bump, tune into uh, Off Nominal because uh, cool, we'll pu- a... almost certainly talk a lot about Insight because I'm sure Jake's going to wax lyrical. That is a hell of a cliffhanger. Uh, also, you you uh, posted a question on Instagram of what people wanted to talk about. Another of our patrons, uh, Mark Schoen, Who's massively into uh, modular synths, by the way, Jamie? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, 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 big time. He yeah. he won want, he wanted to have a little bit of JWST news, the James Webb ah. Space Telescope. And at the moment, it's just continual bad news on that front. Mm. Again, again, uh, the uh, there's been some problems after an acoustic <sighs> test. The fastening hardware has come loose, and they're trying to work out why. <sighs> So yeah, basically they're inching, inching slowly towards launch, but doing it extremely methodically with this, God knows how much it cost in the billions now. Yeah, spacecraft.
0: It's 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 expensive. It, it's really expensive. It's a bit. It's a bit nerve wracking hearing news from them because it's just from one thing to another. Do you know, I forgot to mention, actually, when I had my uh, uh, evening supper
1: with Donald Lyndon Bell, Clang. Uh, the great astronomer that, that uh, died a few weeks back, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot to mention on the show that uh, I actually asked him about James Webb and said, was he really excited? And his response was a little bit kind of muted. It was, it was more like, actually, if that money had been spent on ground-based telescopes, it would have been better spent. Hmm. which is an interesting point of view. And, you know, uh, who am I to argue with (laughs) one of the world's experts on astronomy? But it's like, I'm not sure it's, it's hard, isn't it? Surely the stuff that James Webb telescope, the data that it gets is different from the stuff that you can get on ground based telescopes. I mean, we're going to be talking about Gaia later on and that, that has changed the face of astronomy full stop. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, bad news. Uh, Final bit of American space news, of course, is that CRS-14, the Dragon, has come back after its 31-day operation, splashed into the into the ocean. But yeah. it's really uh, great. One of the things that's on board, other than some rats and flute, fruit flies and things like that, mm. was uh, Robonaut. So oh, he yes. had to come back down because he wouldn't reboot. He just wouldn't reboot, and they tried oh. switching him off and... St- Switching him back on again, but it just wasn't working. So that was... I
0: love the phone call to the IT department. Yes, have you tried switching it off?
1: Well, Ooh. as we'll as we'll hear in in our interview in a minute with the Antonio, yes. uh, uh, phoning from the space station back can, is is hilarious. There's an
0: amazing bit in now in this we've interview been coming up, uh, listeners. We've been keeping this interview uh, from you um, as a bit. Uh, we, we love this interview, don't we, Matt? I mean, oh my sorry God, we yeah, haven't released it. But I I the, love you're this interview. In we you are in
1: for a treat. And and he's definitely one of our most favouritest space people we've met so far. Agreed. Legend legend. Agreed. Ultimate host of the Astronaut
0: Center. Hostess with the mostess. I'm
1: going to give you a little bit of Indian space news. Go for it. Uh, there's a guy called Kay Sivan. I think he's the chairman, the big boss man of the ISRO. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so he's been talking about how he's giving sort of private enterprise a few years to sort of catch up on the technical issues uh, uh, to get, you know, local, native satellite building done properly, so that mm. it, that it's not, you know, it's not screwed up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh but he also talked about Gsat 6 and what went wrong and he said it's it was a spark that could have caused it that led to a sh- short circuit because they're using a much more powerful satellite bus. Right. That's why they've recalled Gsat 11. But one of the things he said was that when they built the Mars orbiter um because that's that spacecraft is so sensitive they didn't run a, a certain set of tests called the critical pressure test hmm. and then for some reason because they didn't run it on that they didn't run it on subsequent satellites so so that's why they're bringing Gsat 11 back to run this critical pressure test on it hmm interesting there we go. so th- he said that they need 45 new satellites built over the next few years and, uh, and therefore, the demand is very, very high. So, they're looking at 18 satellite launches a year. Uh, and uh, hopefully, their private sector will be able to kind of take this burden on. So, they're putting a bump, pumping a load of money into the economy to make that happen, which Blimey. is exciting.
0: Well, go for it, India.
1: And of course, their arch rivals, Pakistan, uh-huh. are doing the same thing. So, they've announced recently that the... Pakistani government is pumping in $40 million into their space agency called SUPARCO, the mm. Space and Upper Atmosphere Research Commission. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was called SUPARCO. No. Uh, yeah, that's their country's space agency. And they're building the first um, uh, Pakistani satellite called the Paxat MM1. It's going to cost $22 million or thereabouts and uh, building new research centres in Karachi and space centres in Islamabad, Karachi and Lahore. Well, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they've been relying very much on Chinese technology, so they want to be able to get, um, they, they, they're kind of mixing it up, so they're doing a bit like America's doing halfy-halfy military civilian satellite thing and, and sort of uh, developing it in tandem. Got it. There we go.
0: Yeah. Got it. Well, that's interesting. And actually, you know what? It can't hurt a bit of friendly competition, can it? I mean, I don't know how friendly it is. Uh, but, you know, Pakistan and India sort of trying to maybe get into a little bit of a race. Do you reckon, Matt? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you, if you compare Pakistan's spending with India's, it's, it, it's, it's dwarfed. I mean, their entire budget is much less than the one uh, Mars... Uh, or uh, well, the Moon Orbiter, in fact, that uh, India built. Mm. So it's it's not even close. Not much so, of a race. Uh, There's not much of a race at the moment, but it doesn't. You know, India started off spending very little money and achieving massive amounts. So we'll have to watch Pakistan. We should do China. Let's move on to China. Let's another do it. another massive space power of the Far East. They launched a Long March for sea uh and that's the two hundred and seventy fourth flight of a long march so that just goes to show how far ahead they are Aha. uh yeah, and it's stuck up one of their earth observation satellites hmm. um called the gofn five so oh. that's a, uh, yeah so that that is for uh you know looking at the earth in lots of different ways in different spectrums to look at greenhouse gases and and things like that so and air pollutants and things
0: oh well, that sounds like an important one i i'm endorsing yeah. that one yeah well done that one can go ahead Yeah, I love the more and more of those kind of environmental monitoring
1: satellites go up, the better because NASA, because Trump's cancelling all the NASA ones because he doesn't want he he doesn't want NASA to keep telling him that climate change
0: is real. Is it because he's a massive? (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly the reason. That's why. Yeah. 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 Cool. Just wanted to know. Uh,
1: I loved this news article. So, the Chinese Academy of Launch Vehicle Technology, or CALT, Mm -hmm. which is very similar to what you just called (laughs) (laughs) uh, the rocket development arm of the Chinese space program, recently announced the design of graphene composite film suitable for use in light-propelled spacecraft. Whoa. So, yeah. So, instead of having like a, yes, like a solar sail it's going to have a graphene sale. Whoa. Sick. Yeah, he did say graphene propulsion will revolutionize the design of propulsion systems and will open up yet another door for humanity to explore outer space. However, the technology is still in the development phase and is
0: still a long way from a prototype. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It started really exciting oh, and then no. it was like, actually, just get out clause. So we're not quite there yet.
1: <gasps> but private space in China is taking off as well. So we've got essentially a whole bunch of Elon Musks out in China. And uh, one, one space is the name of one of them. And they're going to launch their first rocket. So the first private space company to launch a ro- rocket will be suborbital hmm. on May the 17th. So that's one to look out for. So that's Goodness. the OSX. And hopefully, near the end of the year, they're going to do an orbital rocket called the OSM-1. So, there's a whole bunch of them. There's iSpace, XSpace, LandSpace, all of these uh, commercial launch services that are emerging in China. Leak Beautiful. Space, there's another one, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Very cool.
0: What about European Space News? European Space News. Hit me with it. So, ESA, select three new mission concepts for study. Uh, number one, a high energy survey of the early universe... Uh, transient high-energy sky, and early universe surveyor. Theseus. Yeah, look at that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Theseus, uh, what a name. uh, Number two, an infrared observatory to study the formation of stars, planets, and galaxies. Uh, Space infrared telescope for cosmology and astrophysics. Speaker. Speaker. Spelt the same as the star. Absolutely. And then lastly, the uh, Venus orbiter. Envision. Uh, Envision are to be considered for ESA's fifth medium class mission uh, in its Cosmic Vision Science program with a planned launch date of 2032 will be studied in parallel and a final decision is expected in 2021. Wow. We'll be on episode we'll be on episode 200 or something like that oh, by then. you know we will. Wow. So, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's ACE, isn't it? So Theseus uh, is going to make a complete census of gamma-ray bursts from the universe's first billion years. Wow. Speaker uh, is going to be a joint European-Japanese project uh, that's going to um, be a bit similar. It's going to be similar to NASA's Spitzer and ESA's Herschel Space Observatories and work mm. in the far-infrared spectroscopic uh, and do a survey in that, and of course that means it can see through all the dust mm. uh, and cl- uh, so that 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 's going to be amazing and it 's going to be complementary to all the the ground based telescopes that are being built Yes. and 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 in fact, the James Webb telescope as well and envision is going to is basically in the footsteps of Venus Express, which is a fantastic ESA mission to Venus of course. NASA apparently are um, slated to uh, help with that one. So that's going to be uh, mapping the surface of Venus to a much greater detail using radar.
0: That is really exciting. Hey, Matt, if there was a train that went Mm -hmm. from Earth to Venus and it was called the Venus Express, what kind of snacks do you think would be at the buffet bar? Um, I would imagine Mars bar. What, on the Venus Express? No way. Yeah, way. Well, what would be? Maybe some uh, ref- refreshers. Or curry to, to uh, get rid of that kind of smell. Yeah, that's very Venus true. Smell. That's very true. Interesting. Um, wow, okay. Should we talk about a satellite? Yeah, go on then. Copernicus Sentinel-3B has delivered its first images of Earth. Yes. Less than two weeks after it was launched. I oh,
1: no. That's the Copernicus satellite
0: has delivered its first images of Earth, exceeding expectations. This is the first set of images: the sunset over Antarctica. I need to see these uh, sea ice in the Arctic and a view of the nor- of Northern Europe. I mean, we need to put them up on the blog, please. Um, That's actually really cool. The, the, the
1: imagery is unbelievable. Um, I bet. But the real big news, really, European space, is that Gaia data dump that that uh, has hit the streets. Yeah. That is the, the amount of stuff that's instantly coming out of that already. Astronomers are just with their jaws on the floor going, this changes everything forever. Mm, yes. It's just, um, so, uh, well done, Ben Bram, one of our previous guests and Absolutely. father of one of my students uh, for, for being a legend and actually changing astronomy forever. Because, yeah, got the Gaia mission, yeah, it, that has been a proper success. Wow. So, actually, I want to do a bit of UK space news. Go on then. So, uh, on Insight, uh, the the uh, Mars lander that we were talking about earlier on, mm. is actually a UK uh, space agency piece of equipment. So, they invested $4 million Pounds in the one of the seismometers uh, on uh, the Insight Lander. So yeah, right. that will be measuring measuring Mars quakes. Wow! According to Professor Tom Pike of Imperial College, who's in charge of the project, he said it's been enormously challenging to put together such a small sensor with the performance we need to detect Mars
0: quakes. How many Mars quakes are there, um, roughly? Do we know? That's what they're going to find out. <laughs> Well, exactly. Um, we'll wait yeah. here.
1: And that was done with a little bit of help from France, Switzerland, Germany,
0: and America. Hey, Matt, I'd like to th- I'd like to just remind you mm-hmm. that Britain makes forty percent of the world's small satellites. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, that that is an amazing statistic, isn't it? Forty but percent. Forty
1: percent. And and a lot of them are made in the very town that I'm 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 doing this
0: um, podcast from. We're going there soon, aren't we, Matt?
1: Oh yes, and we're actually going on a guided tour of Surrey satellites. I, I we will have wait. to get some interviews
0: and, and uh, yeah, bring interviews them back. a go-go on that one. Absolutely. Japan. What's the Japanese space news? Well, it's all about the SS five twenty, isn't it? It's made the Guinness Book of World Records, Matt. Smallest orbital rocket size nine point mm-hmm. five four meters Ooh, diameter, zero point five meters. Yeah, that's a tiny little fella, isn't it? Really small. So, uh, congratulations, Japan. Remember, that actually took off at a very
1: similar time to Falcon Heavy. And mm. that's why no one actually... So, we had, in the same week, I believe, the the um, smallest uh, orbital rocket and one of the biggest orbital rockets. Very so true. Very true. Um, uh They also announced that uh, JAXA, the Japanese space agency, also Mm -hmm. uh, announced that they're going to be building um, uh, reusable boosters. Uh, And there's a brilliant footage of of a reusable booster that that sort of goes up and back down. It looks like a sort of traffic cone. Yeah. uh, Yeah, like an upside down ice cream cone. Um, And it's and it's quite phenomenal, but it doesn't go i mean obviously it doesn't go very very high it's, it's nowhere near in the same league as uh, Spacex but yeah they, they they're, they're massively investing in that type of technology so they're uh, doing hundred meters at first and then increasing that to five thousand meters or five kilometers if you like uh, so yeah that's so they they're going down that route of, um, of of testing reusable
0: rockets beautiful um so on to russia Matt. Russia. President Putin apparently marking his new presidential term by giving the boot to Dmitry Trampoline Rogozin, who oversaw the Russian space tech. So there's lots of questions there, Matt. One, (laughs) why did he give him the boot? Two, why did he have the uh, middle name of
1: Trampoline? Well, I I know the answer to both, those. So, Dmitry Rogozin was was brought in because of all the problems that Russia space was having. Yes. Uh, And he was basically drafted in to turn the whole thing around. And he has done. So, he has made it slightly more reliable, and he's got rid of some of the mistakes and corruption that was there. However,
0: Hmm.
1: in the meantime, Russia have really lost their place as the sort of number one launch provider. Yes, uh, You know, SpaceX are going to, on their own, are going to do way more launches this year than Russia. So I suppose the writing was on the wall for poor old Dmitry, and I, sp- I suppose it's the Novichok for him next. But hmm. the reason why he's called trampoline is because he once mocked the Americans and said, well, if you want to get your astronauts into space... Uh, you better use a trampoline, saying that was the only way that they could possibly do it these days. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so he, it was. <laughs> that's why it's called trampoline. Apparently,
0: <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what? What else is happening in the international news of space? Announced this week uh, in the Australian federal budget, uh, they've mm-hmm. allocated twenty six million for the establishment of Australia's very own space agency. Originally rumored to be uh, fifty million. 26 million will kickstart the project, with the private sector expected to make up the lion's share of the remainder of the funds needed. Go Australia.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so it started. So it genuinely has started. So Australia have started their own space agency. There we go. So Australia in the game. Put another shrimp into space. Sorry if anyone was offended by that. This Kenya uh, story was really hard. Uh, to research because every single newspaper I read on it was wrong. Mm. It, kept, it kept saying that, that that this week we were going to see a launch from Japan. They've got like a small CubeSat, basically. Mm. And it kept saying that oh, it's, be, it's being launched this week from Japan and Education Cabinet Secretary Amina Mohammed will lead a delegation to witness its deployment. Uh, it's, it's not true. It, it actually went up on the Dragon that came down, the one that we were talking about earlier on CRS-14, on April the 2nd. And it's going to be um, launched from the International Space Station or deployed from Mm. the uh, International Space Station, uh, streamed from Japan to be broadcast on the Kenyan broadcasting company, the KBC. Got it. So, uh, yeah, so Kenya have entered the first um, sub-Saharan African country to launch a nano-satellite into space. Wow. Good
0: work, Kenya. Well done, Kenya. So, Kenya are in the game. One of the highlights of my life, Matt, was flying uh, into Kenya, and I was going to hop over to Madagascar. You know how I do, Matt. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, And I was flying. It was a beautiful, sunny afternoon, and I was flying into Kenya and uh, flew over Kilimanjaro and saw the plains of Africa, Matt. From from my window seat, stunning, ah, amazing, absolutely stunning. Um, so, welcome aboard, Kenya. My posh cousin always used to call it Kenya. So. Kenya, mm. is that how it's pronounced by the locals?
1: Uh, it's, it's how it's pronounced by posh people.
0: Oh, um, well, I'm not posh. So I'll say Kenya. Yeah, I think you're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that satellite's going to assist with outer space observation and disaster management. And I Got have it. one last piece of. International Space News. Go on. And this one's from Dubai. Okay. So, the Dubai Aviation Engineering Projects, or DAPE, <laughs> the D A E P, yeah. has produced the creation of a multi-mode superport at Dubai's Al Maktoum International Airport. And they're going to call it the Cosmetropolis. How cool is that? to Very provide good. a single hub for all sub and supersonic air travel space axis and hyperloop transportation
0: in the united arab emirates Ah, uh, there we go they've been talking about hyperloop transportation for a while wow. amazing uh, amazing that,
1: can you imagine that an airport's got all that going on oh i, I, yeah, I don't even mean incredible. an airport i mean a cosmetropolis
0: yeah exactly get it right granddad so there's going to be people
1: hyperlooping in, zipping up to the moon. Oh, all they need now is an orbital ring going round and and an access point at Dubai. Then they'd be kicking it.
0: That would be a welcome addition. I mean, and incredible. Good work. Good work. Good work. The whole. But that's me. just that's just this week in the
1: world. It's it's amazing. Isn't it. There's a lot going One on week. internationally in space and you really get the feeling that space is hotting up again that there's a lot oh, this, co- this really commercial like
0: yeah the commercial aspect of space <laughs> is it's just there's so much great news Matt I just can't stop sneezing I <laughs> know it's weird does it <laughs> does good news always make you sneeze yeah it does it uh, you know and also I'd like to say that if anyone knows anyone who's walking around saying that you know they're bored today why not tell them to research what's going on in space and get involved via the Interplanetary Podcast? Was that a good advert, Matt? It is a fantastic advert. You, sh- you should write for um, Saatchi and Sarchi. Oh, I might.
1: Mm, talking nah. of people who are yeah. massively a space legend, we now have our inter- interview with... The most amazing host and all-round wonderful chap, Antonio
0: Fortunato. He really was. So, uh, massive, massive thanks to him. Uh, This was a while ago now, but we still talk about this, don't we, Matt? Um, Oh, yeah. And please enjoy. Please enjoy. I love this. Ecoute.
1: So, really excitingly, we've uh, been joined today at the the European Astronaut Centre... Uh, By Antonio Fortunato, uh, and he's the team lead for crew support. Hello, Antonio hello
0: thank you for doing this
1: pleasure meeting you antonio's been a a brilliant host while we've been here as well and been showing us around so thank you very much for that. been like
0: kids in candy store it's absolutely amazing
1: and what's been brilliant is as we've been looking around antonio has been giving us lots and lots and lots of information about everything Uh, and one of the things that uh, he started talking to us about was the international space station and ESA's involvement with it so we thought what a brilliant place to actually start and have a, some real
0: insight yeah, into it could, for anyone who's listening who doesn't really know about the history
2: how did it start well the space station program is really a very interesting a very interesting history and very interesting origins um, as you know the soviet union and the united states were planning their own separate space stations obviously the soviet union wanted to continue and build on the experience that they had with uh, with mir so they were planning to build the Mir and the United States wanted to build their own space station, which was supposed to be Space Station Freedom, and all those projects had grown in the Cold War era, and uh, it kind of relied on the budget that was available in the Cold War era, and finally, The Cold War was over and those budgets couldn't materialize anymore, so this cooperation started and uh, what we know now as the International Space Station is really the result of a merger of what was supposed to be MIR-2 and the Space Station Freedom. And what we see now when we look really at pictures of the ISS and we can clearly identify that there are pieces that have a certain design and certain technology and pieces that have a completely different design and technology, those were really the components of the two space stations that had been finally put together.
1: So the Russians started, what what was the name of the original Russian part of the International Space Station that started it all?
2: Yeah, the first element that was flown in November of '98 was the functional cargo block, or Zaria, and that was followed immediately later by the uh, Node 1. And that's where the station really could start being built and grow to what we know and admire today. What technology had that grown out of?
1: Because he was saying that it wasn't specifically built like that, that it had grown out of another program.
2: Yeah, the functional cargo block has really an interesting history. It was developed at first as a, as a part of the uh, cargo transportation system for the ALMAS, the military stations of the, of the Soviet Union. It was supposed to be part of a system called TKS, which finally never really worked. It was really never fully operational. Uh, but the technology of the TKS was, was reused for the functional cargo block, of the ISS and uh, before that was used to uh, develop the platform for what is known as the Battle Station Polus or Skiff DM which was flown on board the Energia rocket in the late 80s, in one of the only two launches of the Energia rocket.
1: Actually, that was a really interesting launch. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, very, very very shortly, as you, as you remember, in the 80s, President Reagan had started the Space Defense Initiative, which was supposed to be this complex system that was to be used by the United States to destroy ICBMs coming from the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union was putting together their own program that was based, among other things, on platforms that were deployed in low earth orbit and could intercept ICBMs with lasers. And this Polius battle station was supposed to be a mock-up of one of such satellites. And uh, there was a lot of pressure to put it in space, there were a lot of political implications, and finally they launched it with with the Energia rocket. But uh, once the object was put into space, at the end of the, of the Energia launch, it was supposed to make a 180 degree manoeuvre in yaw, fire its engine and finally be injected into orbit. But because of a malfunction with the attitude control system, it actually made the full revolution 360 degrees. So when the engine was finally fired, it was a de-orbit burn and the, the polio station ended up while well, burning in the atmosphere. Oosh. That's crazy.
0: So for people who are listening that don't know much about what you would do, what would be a, a typical day in your life here?
2: Well, in the, in the crew support team, we really take care of supporting the astronauts and their families uh, before, during and uh, after their mission. So at the moment, as we are flying as ESA about an astronaut for six months every year, we usually work on different phases of multiple missions at the same time. So for some, it may be uh, preparing the launch campaign and uh, making sure that all the operations in Baikonur are correctly organized. Uh, For some others, the astronaut might be in space. So we, we would be taking care, for instance, of the weekly video conferences between the astronaut and his or her family back on Earth. We may be working on the um, crew specific menu, which is an allocation of about 10% of the total food an astronaut eats in space. That is typically done with uh, national food, food that can be a reminder of one's own country, one's own place and this is actually an important element in terms of psychological support especially when you have a long mission such as those we fly on the on the ISS right now
0: I was pretty jealous that you said earlier that you got to try some of Heston Blumenthal's food can you tell us a bit about that
2: yeah we since we take care of uh, organizing this this food allocation for the for the various astronauts we have the privilege sometimes to be able to to try what is uh, what is being prepared now of course. The food that ends up being you know, treated so that it has a shelf life of 18 to 24 months is not the same food that you would eat in a restaurant. But you know, everything being considered, I think the different chefs and the different companies over Europe have done an outstanding job over the years and they've delivered some really good quality product that was appreciated not just by our astronauts but also by their international colleagues when they had the chance to share it Uh, during their mission
0: i'm guessing when people first went up that the food wasn't that good
2: well the good thing when they first went up is that the mission was very short and uh, one was bringing the food with oneself so there wasn't a problem of uh, preserving it at ambient temperature for a long time so the food wasn't wasn't that good but also wasn't that bad and there weren't so stringent requirements it's when it started to um, to be used for longer and longer missions that, you know, the problem, the problem really came. For a 15-day mission, you can fly apples and, you know, they, they will stay fresh for 15 days. But you can't, you can't really do that for a, for a six-month mission when that apple has to, has to maybe, maybe lay on the ground for several weeks before it's even launched to the ISS. Right. So it's a different type of challenge.
1: Do you look after all the uh, astronauts, the ESA astronauts, that are currently...
2: Yes. Yeah. The
1: astronauts that aren't flying, is it like the NASA system, they they take part in the crew support as well?
2: Uh, some do, others have uh, other jobs, other tasks, they support the programme, they do a certain amount of public relations, events, support appearances. Uh, in general, we try to use as much as possible the expertise that astronauts have developed while working in space to make the program better more efficient and uh, more um, and closer to what we want it to be yeah
0: and what would you say is your biggest challenge working here
2: well the the ISS program is a program in continuous development in continuous evolution and to keep pace with that development and evolution is really something that uh, that requires attention and uh, and effort, uh, especially in, the, in later years there has been uh, a constant attempt to make the operations as efficient as possible, to make sure that uh, we can support as much European science, as many European activities as we possibly can, but with a very efficient use of resources. And this is something that uh, uh, is, is coming out, is something that we are succeeding to do, but it's definitely nothing straightforward. Also, because it's a continuous mission, you're not. It's not like with the, with the shuttle flights. You have 15 days in space, and then you have maybe months to sort out things while you have nobody in orbit. The ISS is a continuous program, so whatever change you make, it has to be made in such a way that you're not breaking ongoing operations. And this is definitely a big challenge.
0: Yeah. And if you look back through your career, here is there is there a, something that you're most proud of?
2: Well, the the big. Advantage, the big bonus of having worked here at EAC is that I had I had the chance of participating in so many different activities that are related in a way or another to to a mission. I, what I really enjoyed very much is the is the support in the mission control as a spacecraft communicator, the European equivalent of the Capcom, and uh, yeah, to be to become the Eurocom lead was something that was really a nice moment for me.
0: Do you have a special phone when you're talking to people who are on the space station?
2: How does it work? Is it just normal, regular Skype? or? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, you have, uh, you have very different ways of communicating with the astronauts. Mm. Uh, astronauts for non-official communications, they can even call you on your normal phone. And uh, sometimes it does happen. It happened to me once while I was at the dentist, which <laughs> wasn't exactly... You've got
0: a space station coming up on your phone. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Try to explain your dentist. I really have to take this one because it's <laughs> yeah, a space yeah. station. How important? I it yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I heard it already. Oh, oh wow, yeah, that's yeah. actually amazing.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but for let's say for work-related yeah. communication, we would use the standard systems, the standard we call them voice loops that are available in mission control. Those are simply, let's say, teleconference channels when you have multiple users and one of such users is actually the astronaut on board.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the, the, the space history thing, and uh, w- at what point did the uh, did ESA become involved with uh, building the ISS?
2: Well, ESA in the late 80s, early 90s was working on the uh, Columbus program, which was supposed to be a complex program made of different really bits and pieces, including at some point there was a, a lunar component, there was a human transportation component that was known as Hermes. And uh, also in that case, at some point, uh, reality sunk in, and we had, to, we had to realize that probably we had to use more modest yeah. means. And uh, that's when we, um, we basically decided to provide, as our main contribution to the International Space Station, what was then called the attached pressurized module, what is now known as Columbus. Uh, but actually, Europe also built the European industry, built other modules and other components of the ISS, such as Not 2 Not 3 the Cupola, the MPL lamps that were flown with the space shuttle. Uh, Europe actually contributed quite, uh, quite a bit to the space station program.
1: Yeah, because it's something that you don't hear very often. It's just the, the amount that, that of work that has been carried out by... By ESA for, for the International Space Station. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. That is really something that, uh, as Europeans, we should be very proud of. The ATV
1: and, and the building of that. Were you were you were you here when that was being developed?
2: I was here when it was when it was operating. When it was operating. Yeah. So EAC was actually responsible for the astronaut training of the of the ATV. We had the different crews that uh, took care of cargo operations, but also docking and undocking training here at EAC and uh yeah the atv was uh, was definitely a very interesting vehicle it was a fine moment for europe because developing one's own cargo vehicle especially vehicle with uh, uh with the characteristics and the capabilities of the atv it's not not at all trivial mm. so the atv program is also a great reason for being proud of the of the european space program and uh in a way, the fact that now the service module of Orion, which is something that, you know, it very much looks at exploration and that the future of human spaceflight, the fact that that service module has been designed and at least for the first uh, for the first units will be manufactured in Europe is, is a great thing. It's actually the first time that uh, uh, European industry is on the critical path of a big development such as Orion on NASA's side, yeah. it's really it's really an important first.
1: Yeah, it really is an important first. And, and do you think that that will obviously lead on to if once the Deep Space Gateway gets underway, that the European involvement is is obviously bolstered by its previous uh, endeavours on we, the ISS?
2: We, we definitely hope so, and that's what we are working. That's what we are working for. The Deep Space Gateway is not yet a fully defined program. But uh, there are lots of ideas and there are lots of possible architectures and solutions. And we very much want that Europe has an important role in that program as well. And I think we have good credentials to to push for that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, would you say, there's a lot of our listeners who are sort of interested in potentially getting into more space or spe- working in so- somewhere like this. How would someone go about getting a job in a sense in a like this with all of the jobs that you could get?
2: Well, we, we look for different profiles, um, obviously most of the people working at TAC have some sort of scientific background, so either engineers, aerospace engineers, mechanical engineers, or physicists, but we also have uh, uh, psychologists, we also have uh, biomedical engineers, medical doctors, uh, it really depends on the kind of speciality one is interested in. There are multiple entry paths and multiple profiles that might be interesting for a place like this one.
0: Do you need any podcasts? (laughs) Podcast assistance, or?
2: Well, we we do public relations, okay, okay, absolutely. Well, that's what we do. we get application form on the way. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As long as we get a go in the pool. Yeah. One of the things that we've done is come up with an enormous playlist on Spotify of space-related songs do you have a space-related song?
2: Well, there is actually a song that I always associate with Apollo 12. It's a it's a fairly it's a fairly old one, and it is played in the background in the Tom Hanks documentary on the Apollo program. And it's the Arches Sugar Sugar, and it it has absolutely nothing to do with space. It's a, it's a I mean, it's a song from the 60s, a very special one. But whenever I think about Apollo 12, because of that association that yeah. was made in the in the documentary, I always think about that song. The arch is sugar, sugar. Sugar, sugar. It's now go- we all think of it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. going
0: in. It's going in the playlist. Well.
2: Very well. well yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for talking to us no, today, thanks today. And, very and, much and
0: for thank for you so much us. for the, the tour. You've been an amazing
2: host. Thank, thank you, guys. Thanks for much. coming.
0: How, how cool was that? Sitting in
1: a dentist chair and receiving a phone call from the international Space Station must be
0: absolutely hilarious i mean insane and i just i mean he he just the the his brain i mean the the knowledge he had Matt was just next level wasn't it oh, everything yeah, yeah. every question we were asking him on that tour. Was blowing our minds. Yeah, that my
1: favourite bit was standing in front of the massive model of the International Space Station and him pointing to loads of different things. Like, yeah. on that model, there's the is is one of the uh, modes that's never gone up. Uh, and it's got the European arm on it, which is very similar to Canada's arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and it's like, yeah, it's just sitting in a crate somewhere for the last like 15 or 15 years or so it's just like sitting yeah. in a crate it's being built it's all done but just yeah it's just kind of whether it's missed its opportunity to go up or i just don't know it's so it was really
0: fascinating it it's absolutely amazing it's a bit like why i'm selling my hoover matt oh why are you because selling your hoover it, because it's just sitting there gathering dust sorry how many unsubscribed have we just had yeah, it's like it's that thing. Where, uh, what's that program with the?
1: But the uh, the dating program where where they all switch Don't off their lights. <laughs>
0: boo, boo! Oh yeah, yes.
1: Oh yeah. I just had a lot of off light. You just had just Ooh. loads. Of,
0: all the lights went off when you did your silly dance and told them how I much know. you loved your mum. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, let me try and pull it back, Matt. Yeah, I'll t- I'll finish on a joke that win all those subscribers back.
1: Mm -hmm. I went into the gym
0: and I said, uh, said, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to learn how to do the splits, please. Mm -hmm. And I turned around and said, well, how flexible are you? And I said, well, I can't do Tuesdays or Thursdays. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) All right. Uh,
1: I've got one. I've got one. Oh, here we go. If you're driving around London and you see a spaceman, what should you do? Go on. Parking it, man. Oh, uh, no. I've got a space fact. On this very day, the 10th of May, 28 BC, was the date that a sunspot was observed by the Han Dynasty astronomers during the reign of Emperor Cheng of Han. Wow. One of the very earliest dated sunspot observations. So that is a long time ago. That's like two
0: thousand and forty odd years ago. Twenty eight BC. Well, I loved it. So, um, all right, guys, we'll we'll leave you for now. But look, yeah. ha- have yourself a great week, uh, a great weekend. Remember to look up, and also remember to subscribe. Uh, leave you comments. know, Give it. Give us a. Give us a comment, or um, tell us what you want us to talk about. Check out, please, if you don't follow us on Instagram. Uh, come and find us, Interplanetary Podcast. And, um, you know, if you want to give us a nice review on iTunes, then that is really helping us. And I'll tell you what, if you do that and become a patron this weekend, I'm personally, personally going to leave you a voicemail. Excellent. Matt, who could turn that down? Um, I don't think anyone can. No, No, I've got, I've even
1: better actually, Jamie, is... Go on. Our, our, our listenership is really, really international. So people out there who are reading their local newspapers and see a bit of local space news that might not make it into the international arena, certainly not over here in Blighty, why not drop us a, a line and let us know what's happening uh, in your in your local space area? Because we, we're going to read it out in our international space news.
0: It's almost like we could have some global scouts you know what I mean yeah do Sent, it feed, feeding us news we'd love that let's let these people go now they've had oh, enough do we, ha- do we have to no we could keep them on let's just keep going nah,
1: <laughs> only kidding let's go let's go okay yes I've, I've got to go I've got to go Jamie I've got things to well, do I'll, people to I'll see. see I'll see you soon young minds to shape
0: oh god god
1: help them <laughs> Um, see you soon podcasts
0: bye bye Bye.